Bible says it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. And I think the reason for this is God, in his wisdom, wants you to be the best you that you can be for him. I hear it said a lot. Like, this guy is going to be the next Lee Stone King. I got news for you. There's never going to be another Lee Stone King. Now, you can receive an impartation from a man of God, but there's never going to be another Lee Stone King. Why not be the next you? I want to be the next Justin Gleason. <laughs> That's who I want to be. And uh, you know, not too long ago, I was talking to a guy about starting his own podcast. He asked me for some tips and some pointers, and he kind of showed me what he wanted to do. And I looked at it, and I said, I said, it looks good. One problem. And he said, what is that? I said, this looks like me. You're trying to copy me. I, I said, I, I appreciate it. I, I guess it's kind of flattering that you would want to format your own you know, episodes after mine. But is that really what you want to do? I said, you can pull and take a few things from me, a few things from your pastor, a few things from this guy and that guy. But do people want to come there to hear a, a cover podcast of Justin Gleason? He said, no. This happens in uh, media. This happens in, I guess, um, I don't know, even preaching. And you hear it often. These guys will get up and they sound like Lee Stone King, even you know, move their hands like him and walk like him. I'm thinking, you know, I can't think of a better person to imitate than uh, one of the greatest evangelists ever. But you need to be you. You need to be you. People want to hear you. They don't want to see a copy. We already have too much copy and pasting in this world. And I think why people are doing this is because they don't feel good enough with what they already are. They don't feel like they're good enough to do it, so they've got to act like somebody who is good enough to do it. And I think all of us at one point in our lives or another have had these uh, insecurities and these doubts and this lack of confidence in our own God-given personality, our own God-given abilities, our own God-given desire for availability. And it can happen to the best of us, including the great prophet of the Bible, Elijah. Yes, Elijah, the one, the only Elijah. And it's when he flees from Jezebel, kind of picking up from a previous episode. I want to examine this idea a little more deeper about, am I good enough? Am I, have I got what it takes to reach my generation? Do I, do I have it inside of me you know, to go forward? Because a lot of us feel like we can't fight back. A lot of us feel like we can't be ourselves. A lot of us feel like we've got to do it, you know, like everybody else. And you know, I hear it said a lot, be yourself. And I've already speaking that. But really, I don't know. I think I, I believe in freedom of expression. I believe in freedom of creativity. But you need to follow certain qualities. Number one, you don't need to try to be somebody. Somebody's trying to be somebody. <laughs> You will uh, influence nobody. That's uh, it's just how it is. You know, the, the people out there trying to get attention, and usually the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. Uh, that guy who just walks into the room and is dressing loud. I like dressing nice. I like it when guys dress classy. But you know what I'm talking about. They These guys, they faux hawk their hair uh, four and a half inches off the top of their head have on uh, 
you know, these really extremely tight pants, some funky looking shirt, a funky looking jacket, a tight high water pants, bright pink socks, really long pointy shoes come walking in and uh, tr- trying to act spiritual. <laughs> I'm thinking, bro, <laughs> it's it's uh, not going to work. And Jesus even said, avoid that type of dress, you know, the, the long this, the this and the that. You don't want your clothing really to be the thing that gets you attention if you're going to do something for the Lord. Just telling you how Jesus told it. But really what you want to be is set yourself apart through your personality and really through your ideas. That's something, I guess, that's made this podcast unique. I've brought a lot of ideas that a lot of people aren't doing, a lot of ideas that people haven't uh, considered hitting up subjects from different angles that nobody's ever... You know, thought about such as uh, one I know one of your favorites, listeners. The idea of um, godly dating, godly dating. There's a lot of good Christian podcast books and podcasts and teachers and preachers and influencers about dating. But I've hit it from a different angle because I everybody has their own experiences. Everybody has their own this or that and the other. And and I think preaching and teaching is one of those deals. You've got to if you really want to distinguish yourself and really. Um, gain the attention and favor of the Lord and the favor and the attention of uh, other preachers that have gone on before you and, and the people, you need to become a person of ideas. That's how it works. And uh, catchy titles are important, but really if your title is an idea, that's what's going to give you plays. <laughs> that's what's going to give you downloads. If, you're, if your book is nothing but a title, you know, I mean, you know, my grandpa Dyson used to say, you can't just get up and preach Noah built an ark. You got you got to hit it from a more creative angle. You're listening to Justin C. Gleason, the media home of God, Bible, and Church. Give an offering for the work of this content through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Galatians chapter 6 says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. If you want what is taught in this episode to be active in your life, then I invite you to give what the Lord says to give. Thank you for your generosity. God bless you. And so but we have a lot of fears that we're not good enough. And this is what Elijah was suffering when he fled from Jezebel Ahab, the kingdom of Israel. He goes south and he's just... Uh, they're all alone, and he's praying, and he talks to the Lord. He says, God, it is enough. Take my life now. I'm not better than my father's. It's First Kings chapter 19. It's enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm not better than my father's. You know what he's doing? He's comparing himself to the past. Nobody in the present, which if you are going to compare yourself to somebody, you're usually safer to compare yourself to somebody who's already passed on. He's comparing himself to past fathers, nobody in the present. And a good sign, I think, you're connected to the spirit world is if you're interested in old preachers. I've just seen that about guys. They they like the books of older preachers. I walk in and I, I see Tom Barnes stuff, Billy Cole's stuff on your on your shelf. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're probably a really good dude. <laughs> That's a sign I look for. I, I don't know why that is, but if you've got a connection to the fathers that have gone on before you... In other words, you you respect and honor the past. And you don't have it in your mind that 
You know, I'm going to reinvent the wheel <laughs> type of guy. You know, you ever have somebody that uh, maybe church tra- transferred or church hopped over to your church and they start talking about how things used to be in their old church? That's going to get annoying really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect to excel in your new church hopping church <laughs> if you do that, by the way. But uh, for your own growth and your own development, looking at what those who have gone on, older books, tried and proven individuals who have written, who have spoken, if you have a connection to them, uh, it's going to be good for you and your higher quality of thinking, your higher quality of living, your higher quality of praying. So I think it's good to get into those things. I mean, the Bible is written by people that have passed on. It's old, it's ancient, it's tried and proven. But Elijah's there thinking about past men, his forefathers, that have gone on, and he is struggling with his reason to exist because he's not better than them. Now, this is a prophet of the living God. Uh, the, the, this is the one that just called down fire from heaven. This is the one who was able to shut up the skies and it didn't... Rain for three years, right? My goodness. And he says, I, I'm not better than my forefathers. I've done enough. I'm no better than them. It's it's over. You notice he doesn't uh, commit suicide. He's in his right mind. Uh, and he, of course, believes that God is the giver and the taker of life, okay? But I think he knew the way to end his existence, feeling that it's already enough, is to ask God to take his life, probably similar to Enoch, you know, he walked with God, and then he was not, for the Lord took him. I think Elijah knew that was coming, or he prayed for it to happen that way, and the Lord still has a plan for him, uh, perhaps in the future. Maybe the thing you see cameo appearances of him in Revelation, all of that. So men of God know when their life... Who is calling me? i got to start shutting off these phones. Oh, a telemarketer from Winter Haven, Florida. God bless him. All right, where was I? All right, the Apostle Paul, he knew his life was ending. He writes, he says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And some men of God, they know when their departure is near. Jesus knew it. Paul knew it. A lot of them know it when it's near. I've talked to men of God who have been that way. They knew the time was near. And sure enough, within 12 to 18 months, they were gone. And so even for me, sometimes I've a few people I've been close to, I've gotten a signal but the time is almost coming to an end, and it happens. God sometimes shares that information. Maybe not the exact day, but the season, right? Just the season. So that's kind of what's going on in Elijah's mind. He was certain that he had accomplished all that he should have accomplished. He had felt like he had fulfilled everything that God wanted him to fulfill. Felt like he had done enough. And in a lot of ways, I think there's... a a positive and a negative about this statement. Lord, take my life. It is enough. I'm not better than my father's. I think that he felt like his failures in life were as the failures of his father's. And so if his father's, their lives were taken, so should his life. He's no better than them because he has failures. And as they died as fathers, he should die as they did. You see in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Genesis, like when one of the patriarchs died, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is said of them, they died, and they were gathered together to their fathers. Gathered to their fathers. Well, a lot of them weren't buried in the same uh, graveyard as their fathers, so it can't be that. How can you be gathered to your fathers? I think it is a spiritual term of the afterlife. Gathered to your fathers. The, all those old generations were gathered together. 
And I believe that's what happens when we die. We join our fathers, <laughs> the saints that have gone on before us in heaven. That's what he's thinking about. Probably the afterlife. I'm not better than any of them that have gone on. They fail just as I'm failing now, so I might as well, it might as well be over for me so that I can join them who have failed before me, perhaps. I don't know. Probably thought about the failures. Then he probably thought about that his works had not exceeded the works of his fathers. His works, his ministry, all of those things, they're not better than the fathers. So he's probably thinking about Moses. You know, Moses is up against Pharaoh. Elijah had to go up against Ahab and Jezebel, right? Did Moses kill Pharaoh? He sure didn't. God took care of Pharaoh with the Red Sea. I'm sure he's thinking about David. Did David kill Saul? No, he didn't. Another battle, another enemy, another situation took down King Saul. I'm sure his mind is going over and over again, you know, probably... uh, I mean, thinking about Samson, you know, taking down those enemies, Gideon, thinking about all the fathers and all of their stories. And he's realizing I stacking up to them. There's nothing better about me than any of them. And it's time for me to end. I I don't know if his whole ambition was to be greater, to be as greater, to imitate or to do something. It's hard to know kind of what is going on in the mind right there in that moment at a low moment. But I got to tell you this, God sent an angel, man. Some of you that have been wanting to see angels, uh, be prepared for very low moments. That's what happened to me. And some of the greatest trials of my life and the greatest and the lowest of moments, that's when angelic beings have appeared to me. Whether in visions or dreams in real life, it's that's the way it's happened. In low moments, they come to just kind of rescue you. You know, you look at the first time an angel ever appears to somebody is not to a great man of God on a mountain. No, it's a single mom and her child out in the desert, Hagar and Ishmael. That's the first time an angel appears. They appear in moments of grief, struggle, all of that, a lot of times. I mean, you you look all throughout the Bible. You know, Peter's in prison. Who comes? An angel. You want to have angelic presence suffer for the Lord. And they will come and lift you up and help you. Praise God. I mean, look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When in time did an angel ever come and minister to him at the lowest moment of his life? Uh, In the the temptation of the 40 days of fasting, after the fast, after being tempted, who comes? An angel. He'll come at low moments. That's what's going on with Elijah, ready for God to end it all. And I'm sure if he would have kept praying, God, <laughs> who favored Elijah so much, he probably would have got his, his answer to prayer. But God wanted more. God wanted more. And I think a lot of us are probably there in that moment right now. Maybe not as uh, intense. Uh, I doubt any of you right now are 12 hours from home because you got in your car and just drove off to escape anything. And and your greatest escape is to be 12 hours away from home and listening to, to Gleason on the podcast. But... I don't know, maybe you are in your car, maybe you are in your basement, maybe you are somewhere and you're just wondering, can I be as good as my parents? Can I pray as good as my grandma prayed? Can I, you know, can I, can I evangelize as good as this evangelist? Can I pastor as good as this pastor? Can I create content as good as this content creator? Am I better? Am I better? Am I better? Am I better? You know, it's easy to think that way. I've thought that way. I've thought that way. And if you're not careful, that way of thinking really will lead to burnout. There's a lot of talk of burnout right now. It's a good subject. 
I think a lot of people have been burning out, right? But I've taken my ideology about burnout from the late, great Kenneth Reeves. Great books, great preacher and teacher. If you can find him, uh, get a hold of it. Good stuff. And he says in one of his books that burnout does not come from working hard. I mean, you, so some of the happiest men in the world, they get, they get up early and work from sun sunrise to sunset. And they're not burnout. They can do it day after day after day for years and years and years. You know, rest can take care of, of that. But Brother Reeves, old bishop, says that burnout comes from trying to be too spectacular. Comparing yourselves to others and trying to be better than them. And, man, I just feel the spirit of wisdom in that right now for somebody. Man. When you try to be too fanatical, too spectacular, that's what will lead to burnout. That's what will lead you to a place where it's like, I'm not good enough. I'm going to quit. I want it to be over. I'm done. Because of all that fanaticism. That's really, you want to know the truth of what happened to William Seymour in Azusa Street. A lot of fanaticism got in there. People trying to be too spectacular, wanting it to be a big old show. And that's what ended it all. Strife came, the envy came, the burnout came, and it shut the doors, right? And then it happens to ministries. It happens to people. And it almost happened to Elijah. So, yeah, you know what I think the secret is? I don't know. People ask me, how many listeners do I have? I usually don't say. Some I will. Some that I know they're really connected to the show and just, just want to know, you know, how's it going. But the numbers, that's not really what it's about for me. Now, I look at them because I want to know, am I making an impact? You know, because, you know, you, there's really no feedback here. You know, it's like writing a book. You write a book, you don't know who's buying it and who's reading it. And with this podcast, I don't know all of you. Some of you that write back and some I see, you know, in person at events and stuff. It's so great to connect with all of you. But. In the beginning, I wrote this down in my plan. All I care about is making good episodes. That's what it's about for me. I just want to make good episodes. I don't care how many people listen or don't listen. I don't care what anybody says or thinks about it. I just like to make good quality content. I like to hear from God and write it out and present to you things that I normally would never say in the pulpit. Ideas that really don't belong in the pulpit. They belong one-on-one through the earphones, such as a subject like this. I'm not better than my father's. And I'll just be transparent with you. I, I felt like this, especially in um, my mid to late 20s. And uh, I, I know I love to talk about Billy Cole. He was one of the greatest. And he made um, such an impact, yeah, really. Well, in Thailand as a missionary, but here in America, he... He really changed our methods and ideology of how people receive the Holy Ghost in this country. He did it back in the uh, 60s and 70s. And when he would travel and preach uh, Holy Ghost rallies, uh, meetings focused on people receiving the Holy Ghost. In the old days of Pentecost, like coming out of Azusa Street and all that, you had to tarry to get the Holy Ghost. They didn't preach worship. They didn't preach repent. They didn't preach have faith. They just said tarry. In other words, get in a, in a, in a prayer setting and just stand sit move roll around whatever do something until you get the holy ghost and don't leave until you get it and so it was you hear you hear about it a lot i guarantee it some of you who are fifth sixth generation pentecost you'll hear about it your grandpa your grandma your great great grandpa or grandma they got the holy ghost at 2 or 3 a.m <laughs> in an old camp meeting that's how they preach terry for the holy ghost but brother cole said no it's a gift receive it you know 
when Christmas comes, do you uh, wait all day and tarry for the gift to open? No, you get over there and open it immediately <laughs> at 6, 7 a.m. before everybody's wo- really woken up and had breakfast, right? So that's what you do for the Holy Ghost. And, and there were so many things about miracles and faith and, and casting out devils and all of these things that just so inspired a lot of us and really changed. And, and now you don't hear about tearing anymore. You hear about it falling and people immediately getting the way the Bible intended it to be. Now, there's other stories in his books that just have so inspired me that I'm sitting here wondering, God, am I better than him? <laughs> Can I do it as good as him? If And if I can't, then what's my point in living if I can't be as great as him? So he talks about when he was a young preacher in his early 20s. He was praying for a lady in the church that was very sick, and he felt he heard from God that she would not die. So he gets in his car, and he's driving over to pray for her. And when he arrives, she's dead. And he thought, my goodness, did I miss the voice of God? Did I, did I miss what the Lord said? And he quickly realized, no, God said it. And so he started yelling and shouting, you know, after being frustrated. And he said to her, get up! I mean, yelled at her, get up. And she <laughs> woke up and lived. <laughs> Man. I'm here wondering, am I better than that? Well, I'm sure Elijah was thinking about Moses, thinking about David. How did God handle their enemies? And you know, Ahab and Jezebel died according to his prophetic word. Uh, Even after his departure, it happened. I've never seen the dead raised. I've never prayed for the dead raised, but I tell you what I have done. I've stopped death from happening. Oh, yeah. There was a man in our church. His name was Bill. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor and I was young, in my 20s, I went and saw that man in the hospital. I lost count. It was like 17 times in one year. And this is back in the 2000s. And um, I remember coming in like the third or fourth time. He had really um, very serious liver complications and some other issues in his body. And I remember coming in that hospital and praying for him. The Lord spoke to me and I prophesied to him. I said, sir, you will not be healed, but you will not die. You will not be healed, but you will not die. I remember him looking up at me. His wife looked at me and it was like, uh, that don't sound like God. <laughs> you know, because God heals, God delivers, right? I mean, he was terminally ill. But the word of the Lord said, you will not be healed, but you will not die. Well, they put him on a... On the liver donor list, very difficult to get get on even to get on that, and very difficult to even get a liver. You know, months and months passed by that year, and then the week of Thanksgiving, I'm headed to the office early in the morning, and I hit traffic on the main uh, interstate here in South Kansas City. I mean, traffic isn't moving. I, I was in traffic for over an hour when I finally uh, got up to what caused the traffic. It was an accident. Uh, I looked at, you know, I see the ambulances, all those uh, EMTs, all of them. And uh, I see uh, uh, just a completely busted up motorcycle. I'm like, oh, no, horrible. Right on Thanksgiving week, somebody, some some guy on a motorcycle, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's husband, somebody's father, perhaps. Got to go through this with Thanksgiving. So I get up to the church, and soon after that, I get a phone call. And it's a family member of this man I'm telling you about. And they said, you will not believe this. He's got a liver. And I said, oh, my word, wow. (laughs) They said, well, all we know is that there was a man on a motorcycle who was killed uh, right by the church, actually. 
And he was an organ donor, and that is the liver uh, that he's going to get. I almost dropped the phone. It was a su- successful procedure, and, and the man uh, went, went on to live. <laughs> I, I still to this day, I'm just, just, my mind is just blown at that, at all of that, how, how God works. You know, I'm there in the hospital. I believe in God to heal him. God says, I'm not going to heal him, but he won't die. God foreknew what would happen, a liver transplant. Am I better than Billy Cole? No. Is he better than me? No. It's all about doing what God said do. It's all about reaching your generation in the ways and the manners that God said do it. And you know what you really need? Faith and confidence in what God says he's going to do, what he says and what he wants to do. That's all it is. I'll tell you another story about Billy Cole that just, um, I'll never forget it. It was in the 90s. He came to Kansas City to do a Holy Ghost rally in our section. And I, I was just mesmerized with him as, as a kid. And he gets up and he preaches, not very long actually, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And he calls everybody forward who wants the Holy Ghost and those who want to pray with them. And I'm down there in the altar, you know. And I uh, always love going to that altar, by the way, right? That's where God moves. You want to see miracles and stuff happen? Don't don't sit in the back. Get up, get on up there. That's where it happens. And Brother Cole was about to speak a word of faith and then just let God have his way. And I'm, I'm watching Brother Cole. He starts speaking the word of faith, and he says, by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus. When he said power, I looked up and my eyes were opened and I saw what looked like these little lights, stars, almost like little flickers of fire, like a little candle. Hundreds of them came out of his mouth and came down on that altar and rested in the altar area and disappeared. I didn't even know what a vision was. I didn't realize what that was until in my late teens, early 20s, what I saw. I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> a lot of times when like a tongues and interpretation, you, you can't even process it until two or three days later. A lot of times even a sermon preached, you don't even process it sometimes until a few days or weeks or months or years even later what was preached. A lot of reading th- it's scriptures even that way sometimes. And a vision like that, you're like, I don't know what I saw. You can't process it, so you don't you don't have any wisdom, understanding, or knowledge about it. So you just kind of go on and you accept it as normal and you don't have to understand it and glory to God. But I saw in the spirit world just how powerful the word of faith is. And the Holy Ghost mixed with Bishop Cole's words and manifested to my eyes like flames of fire. Like these little flickering lights. And man, the Holy Ghost fell that night. Let me tell you. So I've never had anybody, a 10-year-old kid, come up to me and say, "Uh, uh, Justin Gleason, I saw fire coming out of your mouth, you know. (laughs) I've never had that, but... I'll tell you this, I've lost count how many times I'll walk up to somebody and I know they're going to get the Holy Ghost and I'll speak it. It's happening to you right now. Bam. They just start talking in tongues. I'm not much of a good altar worker when it comes to the people receiving the Holy Ghost, like these chronic seekers. I don't know what to do. Some of you are gifted in that. You know how to just kind of guide them through it. You know, I'm, I'm just not that way. I'm just effective. I see it and I know it's on them. It's there. And uh, just the prophecy flows out of me for them, and they get it. I'll tell you, there's a guy, he's hyphen age now. His name's Joseph in our church. I think it was his 
his, his family just moved here to Kansas City, and he only been to our church two or three times. And he was so hungry for the Holy Ghost. And I preached a Holy Ghost service here in this church, and I gave the altar call. The altar filled up. And I said, is there any more? I feel like there's more. This guy, he was a teenager then. He he was sitting in the back. He comes walking down. And I said, you, young man, you're about to receive the Holy Ghost. It's happening to you today. And he walks up right in front of our youth pastor at the time, Nathan Santomary. And I haven't even led repentance. I haven't even done the Billy Cole thing. You know, repent and by the authority of the word and by the power of the name of Jesus. I not even done that. I'm just making an altar call. Come on down. And Joseph walks down. I said, you are about to receive the Holy Ghost. And before I could even get the next words out of my mouth, bam, he starts talking in tongues. Like loud, fluent tongues. I mean, it's usually those first people at the altar that get it. But not that day. It was the last. <laughs> the last shall be first. Am I better than Billy Cole? No. Is it better than me? No. It's the same spirit, just moving in different ways. Praise God. I mean, I could talk about so many ministers that I've just aspired to be like, looking at their miracles, and I'm thinking, can I ever be greater than them? Then I look at the miracles I've seen, and I realize I've got miracles just like they do, just in a different way. <laughs> Pharaoh drowns in the Red Sea. Ahab gets shot with a random arrow, and his red blood drains out of his body in his chariot. Jezebel isn't drowned in the sea like Pharaoh. Instead, a eunuch, men she tried to control, throw her out the window, and then the dogs eat her up and lick up her blood and all that. So, hey, miracles are different. I haven't raised the dead, but I've stopped the, the dead. Fire hasn't flown out of my mouth, but the fire... <laughs> fell before we even actually spoke the word of faith for people to receive the Holy Ghost. My grandpa Dyson, who died when I was two, I have one small memory of him sitting on his lap. My family members are like, there's no way you can remember that. Well, I do. I sure do. It was that summer before he died. I remember him. It's probably my earliest memory, one of them. But I've got his books. I've got a lot of his audio sermons, and I talked to family that knew him. And, I don't, and he's appeared to me in my dreams far more than any other person ever. He appears to me in my dreams. And it's, it's always very spiritual when he talks to me. It's probably his angel appearing in my dreams. Um, I don't know. My grandpa, he, he told uh, the family a story, and it's, it's a family story that this was back, oh, I guess in the 60s. He was, uh, he was a businessman, had a furniture factory at that time. And he took uh, some friends on an elk hunt. This might have even been in the 50s on an elk hunt. And they're all camping out, out there in the woods up, on the, up in the mountains. I think in Colorado, actually. They left Arkansas and went to Colorado for this. And he's asleep and he gets woken up. A man is shaking him and he looks at this man and he realizes, I don't know this man. There's an, a stranger in my tent and this man looks at him and says, Sir, you and your friends must leave right now. And the man disappears. <laughs> My grandpa sits up. He's in a tent, you know, out in the woods. <laughs> he's thinking, what just happened? Did I dream that? And he has to quickly gather his thoughts and realizes, okay, a man shows up out of nowhere, wakes me up and disappears. What does that sound like? An angel. So he wakes up all his friends, and, and these were business colleagues. These are not church guys. He says, My friends, I don't know how to explain this. 
the Lord has just told me we've got to get out of here right now. <laughs> you know, they're waking up out of a dead sleep, planning this trip, you know, for months. They already made camp. They're already settled down. They're ready to hunt elk in the morning. They said, well, Brother Dyson, if if you said we got to go, you're a man of God, let's go. So they headed out, checked into the motel. Later that next morning, they're down there having breakfast in the lobby. And it came across the radio that a, a, a convict had escaped the nearby prison of murder and was armed and dangerous. And he was headed in the direction of that area they were in. You know what happened? The Lord foresaw that a murdering psychopath headed up those mountains, probably seeing the smoke of a campfire and would have robbed and murdered my grandpa and his friends and kept on going. And the Lord warned my grandpa, get out of there. It's exactly what happened. So I'm a direct descendant of Charles R. Dyson. And I've heard that story ever since I was a kid. And I'm wondering, dear God, am I better than that? Can I ever be better than that? Do I have any reason to exist if I can be better than that? I've realized, my God, I've got my own stories. I've never had an angel wake me up on an elk hunt. But I'll tell you what did happen to me. And that was on Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. That was the first Sunday a lot of us shut up our church and set up our phones and started having Facebook Live and YouTube Live church. I was fearful for the future. I thought, my God, my kids are going to have to be afraid to breathe fresh air for the rest of their life because of this uh, deadly coronavirus, what they were calling it back then, that time. I was awakened by a tapping on my shoulder. I thought it was Sister G. I thought it perhaps it might have been one of my kids. And when I opened my eyes, it was not my wife. It was not my kids. But a being that stood above me 12, 15 feet tall. And this being spoke to me the word of the Lord and said, Some will die, but most will live. In 60 days the church shall regather, followed by three pandemics. Some will say four. There were other things that were said. I won't go into that. But then the vision ended. (laughs) I wake up with a tapping on my shoulder and see this being and hear this voice. And I sat up in bed and I thought, my God, what just happened? It took me a while to process it, but all I told a few folks, including my dad and, and a few others, I said, in 60 days, this church is going to be filled up again. And sure enough, it happened. May 17th, 60 days had passed, and the church reopened. I mean, a lot of us thought we were never going to open our doors ever again. This was it. The apocalypse is now. But God said, the end was not now, but it is drawing near. An angel didn't wake me up because a mass murderer had escaped prison. No, but he did wake me up to remind the church that God is still in control and we're going to get through this pandemic. Am I better than Charles Dyson? No. Is he better than me? No. It's different experiences. This is why you shouldn't compare yourself to anybody. You be the best you you can be. Even if they're dead. Don't compare yourself to them. If they're alive, don't compare yourself to them. If you think they got a great future, don't compare yourself to them. I've had to do a lot of thinking. I need to quit comparing myself to men I've looked up to. Billy Cole, Eli Hernandez, Charlie Mahaney, T.W. Barnes, G.A. Mangan. My grandpa's Charles Dyson, Wendell Gleason. 
You know what we got to do? We got to continue to live out our life to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. And the Lord uh, would speak to Elijah and said, it's time for you to start doing some anointing. That's your next move. You've already shut up heaven. You've called down fire. You've done all that. Time to start thinking about impartation. So get up and uh, anoint (laughs) Hazel to be king of Syria. Anoint Jehu to be king of Israel. Anoint Elisha to be a prophet in your place. That's your future. You want to do good? You want to be accepted? You want to do well? That's what you got to do. I mean, this goes back to even Cain. He looks at Abel, his brother, and it looks like, oh, he's better than me. He's, he's, you know, has more of the favor and respect of God than me. And God says to him, Cain, if you want to be accepted, just do well. You don't have to be better than Abel. Just do well. Do what's right. Figure out how I like my offerings and start offering the offering the way I want it to be offered. You know, Abel brought up the first of the flock. It was specific, the first of the flock, Cain, not bringing God the first. That's what tithing is. It's the first 10%. So you want to do well? You want to be accepted of God? Do it right, and you will be accepted. That's where Elijah, this great prophet, is. It's all about being better and better and better and better and better. God is saying, nah, it ain't about being better. It's about doing well. It's about doing what God said do. That's right. Don't compare yourself. It's not wise. Don't try to be better. (laughs) Don't. Try to do maybe greater works, like Jesus said, greater works shall you do than me. Maybe do a few greater works, more uh, quantity, more volume perhaps. But don't worry about being better. Just do it well, and God will accept you. The Justin C. Gleason Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. And share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level. So tonight, with the prophetic clock, Anthony Mangan. I am going to take the first two minutes because of, the times, of my message to preach one of my daddy's old message. G.A. Mangan. He would always go to 1 Corinthians 10, 32. He'd say, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church. That's right. Stop my offending us. preached this text. Stop offending preachers. The Jew was the hour hand, and they have had their day. Yeah, they did. And so he would take this hand and he would put it on that hour. And then he said that the minute hand was the Gentile church. Mm. And the Gentiles have had their day. And dad would say wow. that this old clock has ticked around and it has gotten on midnight. And then he said the second hand is the church of the living God. Yes. And he taught us and he preached to us that when all three of those hands get on midnight, Mm. the trumpet of God is going to sound and the rapture is going to take place. 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Wow. Man. I love Anthony Mangan's preaching. I've always had, because the Times Tremendous Conference really, really made a great impact on me when I was young. I haven't gone in recent years, just, you know, I got married, got kids, and the family thing now. And But I love tuning in on, on those uh, Tuesday evenings of that service. I'm so glad that POA uh, offers that to us all. And Anthony Mangan is uh, truly one of the greatest. And I really like it when he talks about his dad. Uh, G.A. Mangan is just so fascinating and in- intriguing to me. And what a cool illustration. You know, uh, Bishop Mangan's up there with a big old clock and takes the hands of this clock, all three of them, puts them on midnight. And that's when God's coming back. And and the, the AV team's over there making the sound of a clicking clock. <laughs> I mean, whew. Man. What a powerful word. And... um if because the times has done anything, it makes you aware of time. How close are we to the coming of the Lord? The times that we are in, the seasons that we are in. No season is better than another. <laughs> Get ready for the coming of the Lord. And I got to tell you, that word made me really, really think about the coming of the Lord. I usually don't think about the coming of the Lord in January. <laughs> but I have been. It's... um. I, I play this uh, just to kind of give you an illustration. I've never heard Bishop Manga talk about being better than his dad or his dad better than the him or anybody else. It's always been about make it about the mission of Jesus and being the best you can for him. And that's what I've learned from a lot of these great ministries. They never compared themselves among themselves. They're just the best them that they can be. That's what Bishop Anthony Mangan has done his whole ministry. <laughs> He's been the best he could be. It's like he gives 100% to everything. When it comes to his preaching, 100%. Have you ever seen his notes? I mean, he does the the iPad thing now, but it used to be he'd walk up there with a a little A by 5 an A5 notebook full of paper and the and he would turn the I'd counted he turned like 40 pages. Have like 40 pages of A5 paper of notes. That's called giving 100% to a sermon. Uh, the music, the choir, everything, 100%. Altar work, prayer, everything down there, 100%. They weren't trying to be better than anybody. They were just trying to be their best. And that's the type of success that you can have. That's what it's about. And so I you know, I talked to a lot of friends that go to there because of the times I read, see a lot of Facebook posts and stuff. And then, yeah, I hear a lot of uh, negative criticism about that conference and other conferences. And we've done past episodes about this, how small people hate big conferences. And if you're not careful, you can walk in there thinking, I'm not better than because of the times. I'm not better than POA. What am I doing here? And your small view of yourself makes you even smaller because you uh, make fun of the bigger guy. I'm tired of that. That's really where envy and strife comes from in disunity in districts and sections. It's a bunch of small men up there. Right? Um... You know, Bishop Mangan said, pardon the carnal uh, illustration. I want to talk about football. <laughs> he talked about, uh, oh, man, that Buffalo Bills player got injured. I forget his name. But it looks like he's going to be okay. So we thank God for that. And he talked about prayer and all that. It was a great illustration. Okay, so it's my show. I can say what I want. 
and I'm sure all of you have seen it, The Godfather. <laughs> Specifically, Godfather 2. You remember when they're there in the um, the back porch of the house overlooking the lake, and Fredo's talking to his brother Mike, <laughs> and Fredo says to him, I'm not dumb. Not like everybody says. I'm smart. I can handle things. I'm smart, and I want respect. <laughs> And Michael's just standing there with his hands in his pockets, staring at him. Any guy that would say that about himself, I'm not dumb, I'm smart, and I want respect. That guy is just automatically a registered uh, dunce. <laughs> and so you, you can really get that way about yourself in comparison, trying to do this or that and the other. And uh, just be your best. Be your best. Study, learn, grow. That's how you got to do, right? I want to read some feedback I received from a listener. Her name is Anna. She sent me a message, Facebook Messenger. She said, hello, Brother Gleason. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, and it's truly blessed me and my husband. Today I was listening to one of your older episodes where you asked Bobby Wade if he has seen electricity act weird during spiritual activity. I was listening to a message by Brother Billy Cole. Wow, how about that? Drove up to onto my college campus, and all of a sudden the radio starts acting weird and the volume drops way low. She said this happened multiple times with his message and wouldn't happen to other things. What do you think about this? So I'm, I'm paraphrasing the, the nice letter she wrote to me, but I, I first want, I want to say, Sister Anna, God bless you and your husband. I love that. I, I hear this a lot. Couples listening to this episode together. Typically, couples listen to marriage episodes together, right? But they they want to hear some God Bible in church from the Gleason podcast. So, thank you so much for making me a part of uh, your date nights and stuff. But you know, um, I wish I had more to give you to elaborate on why sometimes electricity, phones, computers, lights, everything uh, behaves differently. I don't know. I've observed that in my own church. I've microphones all of a sudden will just shut off when the Holy Ghost is moving. Uh, whether it's demonic or angelic, I, I don't know. But um, I think it's just a sign sometimes uh, from the Lord. Uh, get ready. Don't don't focus so much on your sound and your and your technique and your equipment. You know, make it about the Spirit. But yeah, I've just observed that it just acts weird. So I think um, with Brother Cole is saying. It is a challenge to the spirit world there, and the spirit world is doing what it can uh, to shut things down. So, yeah, I doubt the the uh, the uh, a demon can come up and actually uh, turn the knob on your radio, or get out your phone and start pressing pause and play or whatever. I don't think he can. But there's something about electricity um, that I think the spirit world can manipulate. Uh, it can manipulate air. It can manipulate wind. You know, it can control storms sometimes. It sure can. So, you know, my advice is just keep a log of spiritual activity that you encounter. And maybe you can, through observation, learn. But but I've seen that. I have seen that. So, a lot of people talking about uh, this old Prince Harry. A lot of stuff in the news about him. He he wrote a a book and and it's selling millions of copies and it's a, a book of hate. A book of hate for his family, for the country, for this or that. And the other tells some uh, crazy stories. <laughs> and people are buying it up. Um, I haven't bought it. I'm not going to read it. 
But I want to make a challenge to you all out there this year. I've made a list of books that I really want to read. I'm getting, I used to read a lot and I kind of slowed it down, but I'm getting back into reading that there's nothing greater to unplug and to learn than through an actual book. Not, not a Kindle, not something on your phone, but an actual hardcover book. The connection you'll make with those pages to your eyes, to your hands, there's, there's nothing like it. And what I want you all to be doing is buying uh, high quality books. You know, we mentioned Brother Mangan. Uh, get his uh, book, Heaven to Earth. It'll talk about the uh, tabernacle of Moses and how to pray through it every day. <laughs> Not every day, every day. Get something like that, okay? Buy Brother Josh Herring, his book, Fast Forward, a great book about fasting, faith, and prayer, all that fast forward. Uh, my dad has wrote two phenomenal books, The Unflawed Leader, a great book about Christ-like leadership and the culture of generosity. It'll open your mind to how giving works, and it's just phenomenal. And then uh, you want to read uh, an older book, an older book. It was uh, published, a uh, good man in our church, Brother Adam Lampley, gave me a copy. I've wanted to read it for years, but it's hard to find, but they've republished another edition. It's called God's Reach by Glenn Clark. Get that. That'll be a good book. And then another book that I read, um, I think it was in, I'm going to reread it this year. I like to go back and reread good books. I think I read it in 2021. It's called The Coal Miner Preacher by uh, Jimmy Russell, James Russell. And uh, incredible life experiences, phenomenal. If you're interested in apostolic ministry, miracles, wonders, signs, angels, demons, all of that, read that book. It'll change you. So, um, Stay away from Prince Harry and the and the, the stories about him getting a frostbit down there and, and all that madness, you know. So uh, you, you want to do great things for God? Yeah, be influenced by great men. Don't compare yourself to them. Don't be better than them. But just learn and grow and be the best person you can be. Thank you so much. Again, Happy New Year. We love you. God bless you. Mm-hmm.